Merson has scored. Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea, and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get onto offtheball.com forward slash events. Just eat the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. All right, you're very welcome along to football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you want to leave a comment, you have to be subscribed as well. I'm delighted to welcome Keith Tracy and Colin Bowie to the show this week. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Hey, lads. How it says here, Keith, you're doing Liverpool Spurs for us alongside Nathan on Sunday. So, no, no better place to start than. Um, Liverpool Spurs uh, there's loads of better places to start by the way uh, <laughs> this this was supposed to be a really important game I'm sure when the fixture makers were setting it out it's like yeah last weekend of April Liverpool still be in the title race Spurs obviously Antonio Conte they could be title contenders and since then they've had uh, a, 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 a temporary manager and now Ryan Mason says he wants the gig full time yeah, I found that I found that very bizarre. Having been in in uh, in clubs when the manager loses his job and somebody takes temporary temporary charge, they generally won't come out and say they want it because if a new manager comes in the door straight away, the manager knows this guy behind me wants me job, and it's very hard to trust somebody who you think is looking for your job. So, I found that very uh, I found that strange from Ryan Mason. I don't think any of the sports fans would be particularly happy if he did get it just because of his managerial CV. It's, it, like sports are supposed to be an elite club in, in England in Europe so to give it to a, a novice surely yeah. has to be a step backwards when yeah. you look at that Conte's gone out the door and then Roy Mason might come in the door or take over and he's already in yeah, the door but. it's not realistic I, I wonder is it part of a I've had enough of this I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be long term and the new manager comes in and says okay thanks very much and he gets paid off and it's like it's all part of the you know he's, I'm sure he's looking at everybody else going out the door with their golden handcuffs going what, what, I'm still here. What you know? You get punished for being here. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, but look, I, I think Spurs. I don't think they're a million miles off. They haven't been. They didn't play well. They they haven't been playing well. Conte got them into a decent position just through sheer doggedness and sheer ruggedness, just getting them up the league. The sports fans weren't happy. Obviously, Conte's left after that that interview. But for me, they only go one way. That's another. Uh, world-class manager going out the door he's highlighted some of the problems within the dressing room and for some reason people have just said he can't be saying stuff like that I think there's an awful lot of truth in some of the stuff that he has said hence the 6-1 hammering against Newcastle and yeah. that, it wasn't a surprise Like I, I spoke here last week saying that St James's Park is going to be bouncing they're going to be up for it you're going to have to meet fire with fire for the first 20 minutes playing balls into sun in the middle of the pitch in the first 5-10 minutes that's nonsensical we all want to see football but if the other team's press is a big weapon just play over yeah. for the first 10-15 minutes I expected them to roll over after they went down and went behind last night to Manchester United and yeah. they didn't in fairness to them is there so that suggests there's something there there's something there but I think they're missing a couple of players I mean Eric Dyer when, when Rashford uh, Rashford's goal he, he gets with him and you want them to put his arm across him and just, just leave a bit on him but he just runs alongside well, him and what's he doing there that was like a jockeying session in training yeah. where you're like don't tackle him it lads. was like he thought the angle was too hard he thought oh, I'll but let him shoot from there Rashford but loves that angle exactly it's just like he didn't know the player he was up against you got to go and do yeah. something maybe even make a tackle outside the box and concede the free kick but it's just not, and then the, the header from six yards out, which he just oh, missed okay, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was awful as well. So look, Spurs do have the spine of a very good team there, but Ben Tancor has been a big miss. If you uh, get Dyer out there and bring somebody else in, I think Lendelitz's legs have gone a bit as well. Pedro Porro at right back, although he scored a brilliant goal, 
I don't think he's the answer at right back. I've seen him play for Spain as well. He's looked a bit dodgy for me. So a couple of players need to come in, a couple of better players, but I think the the problems are deeper than just on the pitch, I suppose. Is there anything to be said the fact that like some of their better core players have just been there too long, with the exception of Harry Kane, so like Larice, Dyer, Son, they've been there in modern standards an awfully long time. Have they gone stale? Like like Son, for example, he was joint top scorer in the Premier League last season at Mo yeah. Salah. What's happened to him this season, with the exception of that Leicester hat trick when he came on? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be easy enough to say, oh, well, the team aren't playing well and Son has suffered, but the team aren't playing well and Harry Kane hasn't suffered. Harry Kane, that's the one thing you get with Spurs is you know Harry Kane will give you something. Even when he got, got hammered by uh, by Newcastle, he still pops up with a goal. I yeah. know it meant nothing, but he still gives you something. Got a good assist against Manchester United last night. So Kane is the one thing that Spurs have, the one weapon, but he's but, papering over an awful lot. But of I, don't, I don't think Kane almost has anything to do with Spurs because Kane has all the motivation in the world because of his goals record. Mm. Like he's chasing record after record. Record. Like he's already got the Spurs one. He's going to look after Clive Allen's record as well. Like you know, from the late nineteen eighties. Like it's almost like he's an outlier to decide to compete. Because like you say, they do have quality and they did well to come back at half time yesterday. But it's, a, it's such a mess of a club, and it shouldn't be. Like they have the stadium and they have a handful of players. I didn't even think their summer signings last year were that bad. Yeah, on paper they weren't that bad, but when you think of where, where Spurs are and where they want to go, the likes of Perisic, and I don't want to be critical of Perisic because I love him as a player. When he plays for Croatia, he always turns up, but he's a player that his best days are behind him. Yeah, and yeah. He's coming into Spurs and you're thinking, is he is he the one or you're the ones him. that are getting, going to put them to that next level? You're, si- you're supposed to sign someone like Perisic when you have a full team and you know that he's going to play 10 to 15 games over the course of the season and they might be big European games and you can't throw one of the kids in, but you're going to have him because he's got really great experience. He's not going to let you down. And actually, he might pop up at something and maybe influence games, you know. Or you were going to play him at fifteen minutes in every game, but you can't, you can't have him as like a mainstay the way they've ended up needing him. I thought he would have been a very useful squad player that he would have played a part in every single game. Maybe started half of them and come on in the others. Like when he's through one on one last night, like a player of his quality, World Cup finalist, like he should be burying that. Shouldn't well, uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, you know, Hallam is the one on one the other night as well. Oh, I know, like, but I mean, you know. that's the quality you're expecting to bring a player in like that. That's what he has. Like it's technique in abundance. Yeah, I don't know. Look, it's going to be interesting to see who they get as manager because I think that um, there is a big opportunity for them to make fast improvements given that actually it's it's a really well-run club from a financial perspective. We have to keep saying this. Like The the fans hate the owner. Uh, well, they hate uh, Daniel Levy as the proxy for the owner, but the club is really well-run and it's set to make an investment they're doing it sustainably you know they're not like the Glazers they, they haven't allowed the whole thing to run down have you been to the stadium I haven't been to it yet no I've actually seen a documentary on it believe it or not it's unbelievable it's unreal it's like a day out like the football's like almost an aside it's like live music the food and drink is sensational it's an incredible place the mile of cheese that um, they had to close that down because it was just a little bit too posh <laughs> Liverpool on the other hand right so uh, Liverpool have come into a bit of form we were talking about them during the week Vinny Perth was impressed with the fact that um, everybody's fit now Jota's in form starting to like get a bit of confidence uh, obviously Jota Gakpo and uh, Salah and then you've got great players to come off the bench so they've got that part of the team that transition has happened they've got that part of the team sorted if they were to have a similar transition in midfield then all of a sudden you know Maybe they're not that far away. Yeah, well, that's that's the one thing is like you say, Jota, Gakpo, and Salah started uh, started against West Ham, done really well, and it's not so much the goals return you get from Jota, it's it's the way he chases lost causes. And I know people will think, oh yeah, that's great, but when you actually get a footballer to run after a ball where he doesn't think he's going to get it, it's it's very hard to motivate players to do that. Salah does it when he's on form; he will run after everything. Mane used to do, it, but Jota does it. He harries people; they get he wins balls he shouldn't win and. 
Luis Diaz is coming back as well. So yeah. the top of the pitch for Liverpool is not the problem. It's it's the midfield, it's the centre halves, the wing backs. I know people are saying Trent is moving into midfield now. It might uh, solve a couple of problems, but you need defenders to defend. The only one that I seem to think wants to defend is Virgil Van Dijk. The rest shy away from it. Even Andy Robertson at times, yeah, he he will want to get into a battle and do a bit of defending. But the rest of them, they all just want to pass the ball forward, do the nice and nice stuff and. I think they've come down a couple of levels in midfield. I think the intensity has really, really dropped. Curtis Jones, young player, still finding his trade, but he's too heavily relied on in an elite club in England at the minute. Henderson, great. He can pick passes, he can defend well, but his legs are a big, big part of what he does. And I, I'm not saying his legs are gone, yeah. but he, he's not quite as, as sharp as he once was. And Liverpool are suffering for it all over the pitch. When you say Liverpool's defence is a problem, in your mind, is it still Virgil van Dijk and another that they need? Or is van Dijk past it? No, Van Dijk's definitely not past it. I think when he came out after the after the Dutch game, I think the French hammered the Dutch and he came out and he said, listen, I'm tired. I'm not a robot, I am tired. I think that you know he needs a rest. Liverpool haven't got the luxury of giving him a rest, so he does need to, he needs to rest. And yeah, for me, it's Van Dijk and somebody else with him. Van Dijk, on his, on his day, can make anybody look like a great centre-half. I could play next to him and he'd make me look very, very good. So he, they have... Again, they have the bones of a team there. If they could get two or three more energetic players in the midfield, I'm not. Like, I I I don't like Trent Alexander Arnold defending. I really don't. I think it's something that every every team playing against Liverpool will highlight. So if you could somehow yeah. teach him to be a better one v one defender, I think they have every chance of of challenging again for the title next season. But this season has just been a write off. Van Dijk could be 32 in July, right? So just for argument's sake. Would Klopp, in your mind, would he ever switch to a back three to keep Van Dijk in the team as long as possible and then push Robertson and um, Alexander-Arnold up and then that would probably negate the midfield problem too? It would help, yeah, getting more bodies in the midfield. But again, if you tell Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold that I want you to be in the midfield when we have the ball, it's the same problems when they lose the ball. People are just going to get it and hit it into that channel without looking. And you don't even, like I say, you don't need visual confirmation. Oh, he's not there, I'll play it now. As soon as that 50-50 ball drops in the middle of the pitch, you just kick it into that ball, get your get your strikers running. And then all of a sudden, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are saying, all I'm doing is running backwards here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start dropping back a little bit more. But look, I'm sure Klopp, although he, I know he's... Uh, He's tinkering with Trent Alexander-Arnold in the midfield. I'm sure they will tinker a little bit more. I think there's a little bit of everything. I think they've lost a little bit of legs in midfield. The front three haven't been quite as prolific as they have. They've had a few injuries and defensively they've come off for a bit and they've been found out. The away form has been absolutely shocking. But Liverpool at home are still Liverpool, still a force to be reckoned. So you think they're going to beat Spurs then? I think their home record is so good. Yeah? Yeah, I think they'll beat them. I think Liverpool... I don't think Spurs will roll over like they did at St. James's, but... Mm. Like I said it last week about St James, it's the one place that you would say they could be the twelfth man. Anfield would come into that bracket as well. So I hope Spurs show a bit of backbone and we get a decent game. But I still expect Liverpool to win it. I should have told everybody what the five games we're going to preview here: are. Palace versus West Ham, which is half twelve on BT Sport on Saturday; Brentford versus Forest, which is three o'clock on Premier Sports uh, on Sunday; it's Fulham versus Manchester City, which is two o'clock on Sky Sports; Liverpool Spurs is half four, as I said; and Arsenal Chelsea is Monday night football. Um, on 8 o'clock on Sky Sports obviously uh, the other game that we have live on Off the Ball on Newstalk of the weekend is Manchester United against Aston Villa uh, Aston Villa second in the table since uh, if you if you make up a table if you cut the table off and it doesn't exist up to the point where Unai Emery gets the job which is obviously uh, what we're talking about here just a brief word on that because the race for fourth is it is it pointless us talking about the race for fourth is there any possibility that Man United just start finding this just a little bit too much for them? 
I don't know. I think the the six points and the two games in hand, I think we'll see United United okay. And again, look, United. If, I think fourth is probably there or thereabouts where they should be. When you look at the squads, you weigh everything up. I think United, yeah, that's probably about right. They would at the start of the season maybe think they could finish above Newcastle, but Newcastle have been really good. They could catch them, could finish third. I think third to be third fourth for United is an excellent season. Won a cup. Finishing in the top three, top four, I think it's probably all you could expect. If Spurs were going to recover from the absolute schlacking that they took at Newcastle, they would have had to beat Man United last night. That was the only way that they were going to get back into the race. It feels like just from a, a spiritual perspective. But Liverpool, on a, a minor charge at the moment, uh, are still seven points behind Manchester United. Man United have a game in hand. There's no chance. I don't know. Like Two years ago, Liverpool won their last five games to finish in the top four. And like since they got hammered 4-0 at Manchester City not long ago, they've won... Um, the last three and I'm beaten in five like just from muscle memory alone for the last few years on the Jurgen Klopp you wouldn't completely rule them out I personally wouldn't rule out Aston Villa your last because they've been so impressive and results they, um, they've played a game more though I know, we've, I, know, I know we discussed that during the week too that like the games in hand against them really doesn't work but like it is actually also remarkable that Tottenham are still ahead of them on goal difference that's how bad of a start that was this season under Steven Gerrard. But that's what Emery's done in the meantime. Well, if we hadn't had the crappy Steven Gerrard start, we never would have got Unai Emery. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Looking forward to next season, assuming uh, he doesn't you know, <laughs> find one of the super like, clubs. A third of the this guy's really available. good. Why, why is he in Villa? He's really good. So, hands off. Um, so, I, I think that, I largely think it's a done deal. Unless Villa beat Man United at the weekend, which I, you know, they actually have won at Old Trafford recently, which uh, barely ever happened in my lifetime. But, so nobody, nobody thinks that they're going to beat Man United? Uh, no, I don't think so, but it's possible. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Unai Emery certainly in the conversation for Manager of the Year uh, at this stage. Let's go through them then in order. Crystal Palace against West Ham. Um, these two teams are safe, right? There's not a whole heap about this. It's fair play to David Moyes. Like, remember, they got annihilated by Newcastle not long ago, and we were on the show the following morning, Jerlin, just waiting, like updating Twitter just to see if he was sacked, like, and it never happened. And he's been really impressive, and that's what Moyes does, like, and people kind of mock him a bit. Do you remember when he came back to West Ham second time in his unfeeling press conference? It was like, I'm a winner, I win, that's what I do. And people laughed at him. But, like, you forget that for 11 years at Everton, he was excellent until the Manchester United appointment. And at West Ham, he's proven his capabilities. Like, they did really well in Europe last season, they're doing the same this season, and he's probably, I would argue, overperforming. With a lot of the certain the final third players, not in the league, obviously. With, with what he has in the final third, they've good, they've decent midfield, but they've no cutting edge. Like um, the Moyes era is coming to an end, right? We we are given to understand that no matter what happens in the summer, they'll shake his hand and say thanks very much, and they'll they look to get a new manager in his place. Is that the right or wrong thing for them? Do you think? Uh, well, time will tell. I'm I'm not too sure. I think getting rid of David Moyes out of West Ham I like him there I think sometimes a manager suits a club and a club suits a manager I think I know it's been underwhelming in the se- in the league this season but you don't go to the semi-finals of a cup in, in, your, in Europe without having a bit of knowledge and knowing what you're doing and he's done this with Everton as well before where he's had it I wouldn't say you know relegation threatened but he's come off the boil with Everton and in the next season he's bounced back as well so fair play to West Ham because when he took that hammering uh, against Newcastle I thought they were going to pull the trigger and get rid of him. They stuck with him. He's torn the ship around. And I thought he were unlucky against Liverpool. I actually thought the Thiago handball could have been given and then you're thinking about a draw there. Um, yeah, beat Bournemouth. They're beating the teams around them that they need to be. Decent draw against Arsenal as well a couple of weeks ago. Dispatch Ghent as well. Decent away performance. Then brought them back to London and beat them. So, yeah, look, I think West Ham would be fine. I think Crystal Palace would be fine. 
to to go back to to Crystal Palace when Roy Hodgson got that job, you're thinking that's a safe pair of hands. They'll be okay. That's sort of how I feel with West Ham and David Moyes. They'll be okay. Maybe they'll just scrape over the line with relegation, but they can't sack him, can they? If he wins a if he wins a trophy at West Ham, might be a nice kind of uh, here's a bonus for you. Yeah. Thanks very much. An amicable amicable split. Yeah, he yeah. might want to leave. He might feel he's done enough with them. And he hopes to get another job. Like I say, like about, I a, thir- about a third of the jobs will be up for grabs. Or something yeah, like. but I do feel like something like Moyes must be addicted to football because he's made plenty of money. Like yeah. there must be something about that that still gives him. He said that on that um, Diary of a CEO podcast he was on, and he was like, he admitted that like he's completely obsessed with the game, can't get enough of it. And you're right because why? Why is he doing this to himself? Like Ferguson yeah. seems to have had a very nice retirement. Do you know he's still fluting around, having the crack, showing up. He was supposed to retire in 2001. Remember wheeling, that wheeling influence. Would have been a very young man then. Mm. Uh, yeah but uh, would you not if you were I, I mean I'd be depends s- on the personality you'd be sitting in the back garden having the crack wouldn't you yeah, yeah but but he's, had time out, he's had time out of the game and obviously doesn't suit him same with Roy Hodgson he came back why is Hodgson coming back I don't know I don't know, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you, miss it, you miss the dressing room you know it, it's not it's not so much of a physical job being a manager it's a, it's a mental job it's mentally mentally trained I think look I, I'm out of football a while, now, a while now I miss the dressing room I miss the banter not so much the tactics and the running around but I miss yeah. the dressing room and I'm sure David Moyes when you walk in and you start smelling the deep heat and the Vicks and all it just yeah. brings back all those memories And Do you play five sides? I don't know I haven't got the legs to play five sides oh, You wouldn't like you, you don't want to play? No I'd love to play I, right. I Two games gone one on Monday one on Friday Where's that? They're in uh, sports going Rings End and one's in Monkstown. Rings End one's pretty close. Rings End one's very very close. Sports I'll go, you, yeah. I'll give you a text. Like sometimes we're when you say you don't have the legs, is uh, as in like your knees are shot. Your no, me back, me back is shot. But I, I get around the five or so I pitch. Right, okay, yeah. right. uh, just right. go to the right right there. Game, just yeah. a little heavy fella in the middle keeping the balls. Uh, you know, I'd say there's like. plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crowded area. <laughs> but you know, like you said, there, Mark Noble um, was speaking recently, and I would have like. I would associate Noble with like the epitome of a footballer and everything you want and a coach's dream, a manager's dream. And he said, like, I don't miss football at all. He says, I do miss the lads. I do miss the yeah. dressing room. But he says three o'clock on a Saturday, he says he's delighted that he can eat what he wants and do what he wants and just hang around the people. Yeah, well, he, Mark Noble, to be fair to me, had a long stint, didn't yeah. he? He didn't just come in and out. He's, uh, but he's only out of the game this season. So That's maybe, right, you know, yeah. that'll come back and that could come back and get him. But look, if. Uh, it is difficult when you come out but yeah, if he's enjoying retirement not many people do I know lots of ex-footballers who struggle with retirement so if he's taken to a like duck of the water yeah. play them. Coaching that you're doing with the kids is that like if you enough of a taste that that's enough or is that something you're thinking I, I want to do a bit more of that now yeah, I definitely want to do a bit more. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing now, uh, coaching in the academy. I like the tactical battle of it. I like trying to make younger lads better. I, tr- I enjoy trying to make them better human beings as well. I know I harp on about that, but not a lot of people within football care about the human beings. So I try to take an interest in that with them as well. And Yeah, one day, hopefully, it'll be forced in football when I'm dealing with right. with men and it gets a little bit more. And does it feel like, the does, it, does the dressing room feeling, is that the same that, you know, you talked about the sights and sounds and the smells? Uh, it's not the same you feel helpless I'll be honest with you as a footballer you feel like you, you have your destinies in your own hands you're going out there you're going to play the game but uh, as a coach as a manager you feel a little bit helpless you're giving the lad the tactics and once they go away from you you know you just feel a little bit helpless but the, the nerves are the same the butterflies are the same and it's good the moods are all the same but not yeah. quite the same pressure yeah okay Brentford versus Forest is next I mean I think I had Forest definitely penciled in two weeks ago nah, that's it now the form has been bad and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it's like they're not dead yet that's why this this is one of the most interesting relegation battles I think we've ever had. Mm. 
yeah, it's a great relegation battle. It, Forest lost their lost four on the bounce, then come back and beat Brighton three one. And Brighton, when Brighton go to to Forest, I know Forest are, are a decent team at home, win their win their majority of their points at home. But you expected Brighton with that clash just to be able to get through them. But Brighton Fair play the Forest. I think Brighton are going to feel a little bit like this season, the way Leicester felt when they nearly got into the Champions League. Just how much of a transformative moment it would have been to get in again and to be there and to be like, okay. Because if Brighton won that game, they'd be on 52 points and they'd have games in hand on everybody and they would still be able to catch everybody because they've got games coming up against all the top teams. Yeah, and I, I worry about Brighton because I, I love how, how they do their business. They, they bring players in, they make them worth millions and millions of pounds and then they sell them on and somewhere they, they unearth another diamond and they just keep going. You would imagine that Casado's going to go, uh, McAllister will go, there's even rumours. I know Evan Ferguson has scored, uh, signed a new contract, but that means very, very little in, in uh, modern day football. You just get bought out of that. So I'd imagine they're going to lose two with their starting 11, if not three. So... I just worry for Brighton. You know, had they made some sort, or if they do make some sort of European football, they would have a line to spin to their assets. Yeah. You know, stay in the club. But yeah. without that, you would imagine McAllister, a World Cup winner, is going to want to play at, at a higher level. Will they struggle to keep hold of Karu Matoma as well? Possibly, yeah. Matoma is very, very impressed with him. He's a great little player on the left wing. He, he could, and every time I see him, he makes something happen. Like I say, he's a bundle of energy, uh, can manipulate the ball left and right, up and down the pitch all day long. Could easily lose him. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did fancy him. Do you want to know a fun fact about Matoma? Go on. He wrote a university thesis on dribbling, and he uses cameras to analyse his teammates so he can uh, better get around them. So that detail is incredible, isn't it? Very different and to the footballers I would That's know. from a piece during the week in the Guardian <laughs> uh, where Aaron Wan-Bissaka, so the, the headline is he's the best one-on-one defender in the world, mm. Wan-Bissaka. And Matomas said he really struggled against them no matter how much research he did, couldn't find a way around them. Going back to your playing days, did you ever have like a massive problem with a fullback consistently the same player that you just couldn't get the better of? Uh, the, the first one that jumps to mind would have been Kyle Walker at, uh, at Sheffield United when we were both both really really young both quick and I think his pace was his probably big, biggest asset my pace was probably my biggest asset and we used to just race each other all day long and it was it was brilliant I couldn't I couldn't because he was quicker than me and, and a little bit stronger than me it was very very hard you manipulate the ball you'd get past him but within a second and a half he's right back into the race and you, you just you can get past Kyle but you don't stay past him. He, he yeah. recovers so, so quick. And Kyle Walker is probably the only one that sticks in my head has been really difficult to get past. So that hesitation in your mind saw the second or third time you get the ball in a one-on-one situation with Walker, you're like, I can't because well, I know he'll beat me. The one thing I was always taught as a winger, the one thing that defenders can't, can't defend is pace. You can just run past yeah. people. If, if you can time it right, you exploit the space in behind. But Kyle, if, if the defender's quicker than you and he has that little bit of a knowledge of where to put his body half your options are gone you're coming into the pitch you're going into a crowded area so I was surprised he, he came into the team uh, midweek I, I kind of felt like the stuff that uh, Pep had said recently I can't, I'm going to misquote him here but he was basically saying he can't play the way I want everybody my defenders to play now because uh, Pep obviously had that kind of change of attitude where it was the four centre-backs essentially where Kanji is in the team or Stones is playing right back but really is playing midfield well Walker can't do that but then I mean, Walker was very good the other night like, is the very problem good. that we see Walker's recovery pace too often i.e. he's out of position to begin with yeah yeah but that, that's one of his weapons you know like yeah. I say 
if a player knows he can't run you or it's not just uh, Kyle Walker's mistake if Diaz makes a mistake Laporte whoever makes a mistake Kyle he's Walker can cross yeah, that yeah. pitch and you know, I think it's a big big weapon to have because he's bit of pace on the pitch he's 32 and he's being linked with a move away and it's, it would be a typical Man City to cash in and get 35-40 million for Kyle Walker and whoever signs him gets two years at that price you know, that's a lot of money to spend for him but he wasn't there was no sign of him um, coming off that quality I do want to say just mention that uh, Brighton have apparently agreed a deal this is according to Fabrizio Romano hasn't been confirmed yet but uh, João Pedro from from Watford from Watford uh, club record fee for Watford striker João Pedro 30 odd million he's a 21 year old striker who scores loads of goals Um, this is this is interesting (laughs) it's like uh, maybe it's maybe it's a good thing for a 19 year old striker next season as uh, Evan Ferguson will be to have competition and uh, and maybe a strike partner and play a slightly different style but it also means he's not going to be playing every single game and if they are in European football so we shouldn't be too worried about this should we or should we like they probably signed Pedro thinking of Ferguson how can he help him like they're going to put the whole puzzle together up front so they kind of have a famous uh, data analytics department Brighton so they obviously analysed Pedro how's he going to fit into the team so if anything it's a good thing if I'm Ferguson I want more players around me the more the better like yeah, I think this is where Evan Ferguson's anyway. character will shine through. We lead yeah. our rise to the challenge and try and try and prove that he's better than him. Sharp. I'm sure they will help each other, but uh, you know, I, I've been at clubs where I've been the left winger and the left winger's been signed, and the first thing I thought was right, I'm going to show everybody I'm better than him. So hopefully, Evan has that bit between his teeth as well. Yeah, he definitely seems to have. Uh, okay, Brentford should beat Nottingham Forest though. Brentford are a better team, especially yeah. at home. Oh, they're definitely a better team, like against Chelsea during the week. Fantastic yeah. results, but also not too surprising. No. Uh, Fulham versus Manchester City is the 2 o'clock kickoff on Saturday and that is on Sky Sports it feels to me a little bit like Fulham are kind of on the beach mm. are they? is that fair? 45 points 10th position not really going to they might catch Brentford they might catch Brighton if Brighton go into a tailspin after the cup defeat but like they're not going to get caught by teams below them at this stage happy days yeah, they've kind of be, hit a bit of a brick wall, haven't they? I know they got beat by uh, beat by Aston Villa, but the game before that, Leeds, really a must win. They won that. The game before that, Everton, a must win. They won that. So, look, I think Marco Silva's doing a great job. I know that they probably are on the beach at the minute, but I, w- I don't want to say they've earned that right because they haven't finished the season, but they're safe, you know. That's all. The remit was stay in the league, stay in the league. They've done that easily. And some of the signings they've made have been very, very shrewd. Like, Palini has been brilliant. Manor Solomon, I really like him. Andreas Pereira coming in from United. I wasn't sure about him. You yeah, know, when you're playing at level, United, when people are yeah. around you thinking anybody can look half decent at United, but he's looking, standing on his own two feet, he's looking really good. And I, I wasn't sure about William. You know, I thought maybe he was done, but he seems to have a little bit left. I'm, he's not setting the, the Premier League on, on storm every week, but he does enough just to keep that Fulham team ticking over. And like I say, Marco Silva's been excellent. And you, you don't want the Fulham fans to come away from this season feeling a little bit disappointed because the one thing they wanted was to stay in the league. They've done that. I know the performances are starting to tail off a little bit, but still an excellent season. Maybe I'm overrating the Villa performance, and that was just a, a, a blip because, as you said, the two previous ones have both been uh, pretty good against you know uh, games where you could easily have phoned it in against Leeds or or Everton if you wanted to. Uh, Mitrovic obviously isn't back yet, but uh, maybe when he comes back, there will be that'll be the injection for the last few games of the season. And um, I don't know, but it's not a huge test for Manchester City it's exactly what they would have wanted at this stage yeah you would expect City to go out and just just blow them apart Uh, the last five games they scored 14 goals only conceded three it's it's just mind blowing stuff it really is from Manchester City and you think of De Bruyne I mean Pep took him out of the team a couple of weeks ago gave him a little bit of a slap on the wrist saying his standards he hasn't been meeting his standards 
all of a sudden De Bruyne is just catching fire and he's doing it at the right time Manchester City seemed to be doing it at the right time and this was the one thing that all Arsenal fans were saying City have another gear they've another gear to go they seem to have just clicked into that gear and blew Arsenal away during the week Kevin De Bruyne 16 assists and 7 goals it's ridiculous isn't it from a midfielder yes. and here's here's a stat that might surprise you Erling Haaland 7 assists I know because they, they were all giving out more than Grealish that's more assist than Grealish more than more than Grealish, Grealish best ever season it is isn't yeah. it yeah oh, alright sent that to Jordi he was delighted with it 100 million pound Grealish 6 assists Paul's, yeah. Paul's goals I think uh, Grealish is an assist for an assist kind of guy isn't he yeah. he's kind of the, the, the building of the move they played Arsenal like it was um, amateur level on FIFA didn't they it was just way too easy yeah, it was too easy. I was very disappointed with Arsenal I, had to be, I didn't think they, I know they were trying to play but at times it was just a little bit naive they were getting penned in and I would, like I said I don't want to see balls being clipped into the channel Arsenal have been excellent but sometimes you just need to relieve that pressure when it's building and building Look, I don't want to be critical of Arsenal whatsoever, but Manchester City, they just have another gear. And I think there is, people were saying, oh, Arsenal this and Arsenal that. I think Manchester City have clearly shown that when they're on it, there's still a bit of a gulf between the rest of the teams in the league. There, there definitely is, right? Uh, there definitely is. But the quality that they had in that first half in particular was as good as I've seen them play at, at any stage. Like, all of the problems that they had, Grealish wasn't working out. Haaland, they didn't fully understand exactly how to release him. De Bruyne's form it all just melted away like uh, you know uh, they're going to regret letting Cancelo go they didn't regret anything everything was perfect for them now that can't they're not going to play every single minute of every game in the big games that are left for the rest of the season And or are they? is that it now? should we expect them to replicate that against Real Madrid? I, I'm not too sure I, I think the, the Real Madrid game I, I, I think they'll win the league I think they'll win the, the cup it's, it's the Champions League the, the Real Madrid one is the only one I have a question mark over to yeah. be honest with you now Real Madrid got hammered at the weekend by Girona mm. so look I, I can't read too much into that that's no. traditionally what happens to Real Madrid are like oh, we're going to finish second for the league is yeah, gone you can imagine Benzema and Modric just saying don't worry about it we'll, yeah, we'll just like, play Manchester we don't care. they're the yeah, only two sides in Europe where they can lose a game and they're unaffected by it yeah. like City for a lot of the season have been unimpressive by their standards yeah. and the worrying thing for the league and going, few, going ahead is like these lads just turn up whenever they want whenever they want and, and can the you same imagine at if, if Manchester City hadn't have sold Zinchenko and Jesus to Arsenal we wouldn't even be in a title race now given how much Arsenal have improved with them two players so it's probably City's arrogance of selling them two players to somebody they didn't think was a rival that we've even got this race it is interesting because there's very few clubs around the world who are going to be able to buy players who aren't making the first team of the super clubs apart from other English teams which is why when Mason Mount was getting linked with the move away not that Chelsea are currently a super club but they will be again it'll be interesting to see how Pochettino gets on there that um, it was the other English clubs who were going to buy off off them because nobody else can afford them yeah and to be fair the other obviously Chelsea don't want them to go to another English club Manchester City obviously have that bit of arrogance where they think it doesn't matter who we sell we're better than the rest yeah. of us anyway I don't think Chelsea will view it like that they'll have to pick and choose who they want to sell Mason Mount obviously they won't want to let them go to a, a Manchester United or even an Arsenal because that obviously strengthens them Liverpool, so yeah. it's, it's a tough one what happens to Manchester City when Pep Guardiola leaves yeah I'm not too sure I think you get somebody who plays a similar way maybe a Luis Enrique I know Pep is Pep's his own man and he's invented his own exactly but I think you get somebody you obviously don't bring in a Sam Allardyce you know you bring in somebody who's a certain way of playing who won't try and fix something that's not broken and 
It's going to be like he's he's part of that uh, former uh, group of city-owned clubs. They know him. I think that um, that's not how Pep used to do it. I think that surprises to say to the manager. That's not how Pep does it. That surprises a little bit with that. Or, or there'll be somebody in house that they've decided that they um, have an eye on who's going to be able to step up. Um, okay, so Arsenal Chelsea is at eight o'clock on Monday night. Uh, it's going to feel a little bit like uh, after the Lord Mayor show. It is absolute comedy situation at Chelsea at the moment where Frank Lampard has lost every single game that he's been the manager for five games one fluky goal that they've scored uh, over the course of those five matches now it was Real Madrid that they played twice so it wasn't it wasn't they're not all easy fixtures but you know you would expect something any kind of a kick and uh, no better fixture for Arsenal to try and get back on track just to make a, a make sure that Man City have to win all the games Arsenal should at least do that for the rest of the season yeah, look, Chelsea under Lampard. When they when they when they gave Lampard the job till the end of the season, my eyebrow was was raised straight away. I thought, I'm not I'm not too sure about this. How can you go and and do so poorly at everything and then go and, and just inherit an elite club because of what you've done as a footballer? Yeah, I, I just I don't understand it. Um, there's too many players in the building. Thiago Silva has come out and said there's too many players in the building. We've had to make the dressing room bigger. I just don't know with Chelsea. I really don't. I think there's a mix, a mixture of probably two or three managers, players in there. There's, they've been so reactive in the in the transfer market. Arsenal look like they're going to sign Mudrich. Now we're going to go and sign Mudrich. It's like they don't have a plan in place. Like yeah. they're, they're signing players for now. They're signing players that are going to be good in a couple of years. It's just all a little bit all over the place, and that's obviously transmitting itself onto the pitch. Do you understand Frank Lampard accepting this interim job? Yeah, I I do. I, I as as a Chelsea legend when he gets offered that he obviously feels very very fondly for the club yeah. so he wants to take it but he might have thought it was a win-win you know to be honest which Graham Potter not doing very well with Chelsea they're in 10th or 11th will you take the job till the end of the season if he goes and does poorly which he is doing people are going to say this Chelsea team are just not up to it if he yeah. goes and does well he gets all applauded so I should tell everybody I got my days wrong that, that game's on Tuesday obviously the Monday night game is Leicester against Everton yes go on this is a massive game and I would never have thought when they were divvying up the fixture list and where what match was going to go where months ago they probably never thought this is going to be a big one like a big decider but there it is I think uh, Everton could go lads and I was just watching them last night against Newcastle and I was looking at them player by player and I was like I could see him in the championship I could see him playing in the championship I think the best thing about them might be their manager yeah it might be Sean Dyche yeah, well, I, I think this would have been in in the back of uh, the Everton big wig's head. You know, if we do get relegated, Sean Dyche is not a bad man to take us up from the championship. Do you think he'll stay, though, at the championship? I think he will stay. I think he's quite a loyal person. I don't think he, he will uh, he will get out. Look, if, if obviously if he gets a Premier League offer, he might jump, but I think he'll stick with the club. I think the bones of that club there is decent. It's well run. It's a decent stadium. Yeah, I... And to be fair, what Dice will be saying to them is, you know, since I've come in, we're probably 16th, 15th in the table. Uh, under Dice, they've, I know they've had points here and there. They've started to uh, started to slow down. But under Dice, they've been OK. They've been steady away. So, look, he'll just keep reiterating that we can't, uh, we, we can't make up for the past. We just have to win what's in front of us. But this game against Leicester is absolutely huge. Do you envision both of those sides getting relegated? Like they currently are in the relegation zone, so it's them and Southampton. You'd expect Forest or Leeds to get sucked in, wouldn't you? What do you think? I think it's one of Leicester and Everton. So obviously, okay. I think Southampton are gone. It's yeah. Leeds, Leeds, Forest, Leicester, or Everton. And I, I have Everton's fixtures in front of me here. Leicester at home, obviously next. 
I'm not, I'm not sure I think Leicester could beat them there away from home Everton are, are not great Brighton then away from home you would expect Brighton with the class they have to beat them Manchester City at home then but Manchester City are playing Real Madrid so can, can Everton nick a point there with that and then the Wolves away after that and you're thinking you know Julian Locatelli has this Wolves team playing very very well very very yeah. structured and then you're on to Bournemouth at home I can see Everton probably getting four points out of the last five games which you're, you're then asking Leeds not to pick up points you're asking Forrest not to pick up points so it's going to be very very tight but I, I'm just not sure I think it's so interesting you can't take your eyes off it for a second Yeah. if they do only pick up four points then Leeds are basically four points away from safety or one win away from safety uh, at this stage and Forrest the same you know somebody needs to go on a run from the bottom three like win their last five games which has happened regularly in previous yeah. years there's one team that decides to go on a run and suddenly finds form and has those shock results against teams that you don't expect but um, yeah we've we got to keep an eye on that uh, Dean right. Smith kept Aston Villa up last day of 2020 in the Covid season yeah Jack Grealish against West Ham I remember that he could do that again I think they won their last five games I think they, they looked on a brilliant run they looked completely done at this stage of the season I thought they were so much better than Leeds the other day mm. I thought they, I think they are a much better side than Leeds Who? Leicester Leicester yeah when like Jamie Vardy came on that was his first goal in 19 games like they've really missed his impact as well like I know he's getting on you can't be relying on a fella of his age yeah. you'd need to Dean see Smith something but Soyuncu in as well yeah a bit of a, it's gone to Atletico Madrid yeah, he's yeah but defensively yeah. Leicester are very very poor it, it, Wout Fass uh, Johnny Evans yeah. always injured as well it, it's defensively that on paper like I say if Leicester do go down can you imagine how many of their players would be plucked out and so oh, Madison's, oh, yeah. Madison's gone the day after Madison's head's already been torn I think yeah. he's already out of the building to be honest with you they tried to give him the captaincy to keep him keep him interested but yeah. I think Madison's halfway out the door and that's obviously coincided with Leicester being where they are yeah alright uh, the football kickoff with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel we're back uh, every Friday at half past 11 when there are Premier League fixtures on my thanks to Keith Tracy and Colin Bowick for being with us this week we'll see you next week take care the football kickoff with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports